0: Hey, Atari hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode. As content creators, we are living in very interesting times. On one hand, we have new technology that allows us to create content faster, easier, and cheaper than ever before. On the other hand, the very platforms that send us most of our traffic are also adopting these technologies in an attempt to retain and monetize their visitors more, the only problem being that when they retain their traffic, they send us, publishers, less traffic. That is, for example, what Google is doing by testing generative AI in its search results and i have actually made a full YouTube video where I break down everything that changes in the current beta, so click on the card here if you want to check it out. And one thing that we can expect from all these big changes is the market is going to adjust. For example, if you go on Twitter, a lot of people are quick on calling ads-based websites soon to be dead as soon as AI search rolls out. Because a lot of these sites focus on answering simple questions that AI is often going to be able to answer. So why would people click on websites, which is true, right? However, there's another side of this that most people don't consider, right? If the number of advertisers on ad platforms remains the same or even increases just because, well, some people are going to lose organic traffic and therefore turn to ads to generate traffic, then the demand for ads is going to be very high, but the supply for ad impressions is going to be much lower due to the lower traffic to these kind of websites. So what's going to happen to the price of ads? It's most likely going to mechanically increase because of the bidding system that AdWords is based on. And that increase is likely to make up at least partially for the traffic loss of these websites. Now, if you add to the fact that creating content for these kinds of websites is getting 10 to 50 times cheaper with AI, these sites may actually become more profitable than they were two years ago after all of this is rolled out. Now, I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen, but this is something that could happen. And I'm giving that example so that you don't just rely on social media following the people that say everything's going to end or people are gonna make a hundred times more money with AI because probably none of these are true and the changes are going to be a lot more subtle in the end. Still. When big shifts like this are happening in your industry, it's often a good idea to take a step back and look at how to adapt your business model to actually thrive in the new environment. And that's exactly what Mark and I are doing in this podcast. In the first half, Mark and I are going to be debating on the changes and what's happening and how it's going to change the authority side model. We're going to be basing our answers on what happened in other industries, but also on some online users' behavior studies. And in the second half, we are going to be taking three examples of what I would call classic affiliate slash authority sites uh, that a lot of you might recognize themselves into when you see the examples. And we made a business plan for each on how to thrive in the new paradigm of AI powered search and all the many changes that are happening to the industry. So you can either listen to the whole episode or if you want just the actionable bit, jump onto the second half and you'll get all the examples. Before I get this podcast started, let me remind you to subscribe to us on YouTube because we're now releasing a bunch of original content you won't find on the podcast feed. And if you're on YouTube already, don't forget to thumb up the video. It really helps us reach more people, which is really nice for us. Enough talking, let's get started with
1: the episode. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Autority Hacker Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how we will be adapting businesses that we work on and show you a bunch of examples of random sites that we picked online and how they can adapt their business model to a lot of the changes that are coming. We obviously know that AI search is coming, but also AI content creation has come. It helps us a lot with content creation. We have a lot of changes coming to social platforms, all of that. The way people consume content as well has changed a lot. And so we're going to talk about a lot of these things and how basically the over time the business model of authority sites is going to we think be evolving and that's going to be inspired as well by other branches of affiliate like paid affiliate etc like that has had a big transition a couple of years ago. So we're gonna talk about all about that but first How's it going, Mark?
1: I'm doing good. Pleasantly um, surprised, actually, because despite all these AI death threats and SEO is dead type stuff, I think whenever there's a big change like this, it always creates a lot of opportunity. And I think that's kind of what we wanted to highlight in today's podcast. It's like kind of some stuff you're going to have to do, but what that's, you know, maybe some some of the stuff you probably should have been thinking about anyway.
0: It makes people do what they should have done for a while, and it's like, it's kind of like nerfs a bit uh, the easy stuff, and then the stuff that can make you the big bucks will be more rewarded, basically, which has been the case already, so we show some examples, etc. I've been playing with uh, generative search for the past like four or five days, I'm in the beta, etc., and it's like, yeah, my takeaway is like, yeah, this probably will take away some traffic, but what was quite interesting to me is really a subtlety that is not expressed too much in Google I.O., is that... The AI generation by Google, actually, if you scroll a little bit, when you click, it takes about 8 to 12 seconds. And if you scroll a little bit, it stops the the generation, basically. So when you do a search now with the new Google, you kind of make a conscious choice of, like, do I want an AI answer? In which case you don't scroll, or you just, like, give a flick to your mouse or your trackpad to scroll a little bit and as soon as the blinking box for AI generated answer is not in view it doesn't push the subs down anymore it just works like a normal sub and because it's like a 10 seconds more or less maybe let's say I think it's like it's a choice you make when you make a sub it's a kind of like a new interaction with search and to that effect I think it's a lot of people are going to just choose to click on websites and not wait 10 seconds
1: and if you want to see that in action we've actually got a video on our YouTube channel last week where you actually walk through exactly what that looks like so you got early access to that so that's a good one to check out
0: yeah but like all of this to say like it's definitely enough like some queries like it would be easier to get the answer to be honest sometimes the answers are not very good as well sometimes it steals your content etc but still like I, I can see especially on mobile the size they use to generate the AA answer are like in a carousel below the answer so i think this will get quite high clicks rate on mobile as well so yeah it's like it's a change it Probably will be less traffic, but it's not the doomsday of SEO yet, not with this update at least. Anyway, let's go. And I think we wanted to have a bit of a debate, I guess, before we get started and showing some examples. And we wanted to talk about building sites in the age of AI. And it's kind of like something I hinted at the beginning. It's like on one end, well, Google, with the new Google updates, it will take away some traffic. Like no question about that. Some queries will be answered by AI, especially easy ones, right? It's like I think an example I give in a video is like how to paste on a Mac, for example like feature snippets were already doing a good job but like now you have like an AI answer feature snippet etc like forget this query but on the other end we got AI helping us create content now so it's like there has been a very controversial launch of uh, software AI for example it's a pretty good tool it's expensive I agree $29 I think they, they priced quite high but you can't deny that for easier keywords the first draft's pretty decent like it's not perfect but like give it another two three years and content creation with AI it's like it's definitely gonna be there and the price of a piece of content is probably going to decrease at this point. It's always been increasing over time, but finally it's going to get cheaper. So I think there's, uh, there's, there's some back and forth. Now the question is like, how's the market going to react to that, correct? Because on one end, we're going to have an increased supply of content through the help of AI. On the other end, we're going to have a decreased supply of traffic through search engines answering questions, etc. So it's like, what's going to happen, for example, to the ad websites model, right? It's like, are the RPMs going to adjust? Because there's probably going to be maybe even more advertisers if there's less search traffic in a way. A lot of people might turn to try to buy ads to generate some of the traffic they, they may have lost from that. So is there a high pressure of like lots of advertisers for fewer impressions because fewer people see ads on Websites, for example, which means I mean, you would you would up. think
1: it's it's a supply and demand model for bidding on ads, essentially. So, if all those things happen in the way you you describe, which is, I think, what we, we agree is most likely, so it's almost certainly going to increase the RPMs of of ads. But is it going to is it going to is it going to make up for the drop it? of
0: traffic? That's the question. Because if you're on that site, you will drop some traffic. And then the price of the RPM will probably go up. The question is, like, what's the difference, you know? And this part is hard to tell, I think.
1: I think it will disproportionately affect sites which have, let's say, easy content, which is replaced by ads. You know, we're talking about this before the show, where when the weather featured snippet came out, really affected weather sites significantly because people got the information. I think there are some sites which have. Just easy to write content easy to easy for AI to produce content where you can get the full answer without needing to click through, and that they're going to suffer really, really badly. Will the other sites which still get some traffic coming through, be affected as badly because of the increased rpm I would say it's it's going it's not going to be a positive thing overall for for most sites, but there there's probably some ways to to limit that at least
0: yeah it's going to be interesting as well as like a lot of people get really excited by these uh AI article generators et cetera but the thing is like the better the article the AI article generator is at a query, the better the search engine is also going to be at that query. It kind of like cancels a lot of that effect that like there will be less traffic for these queries you know
1: there's a window as well right when these new yeah. technologies come out, if you're the first to use it, then you can be producing hundreds of articles a week that are of a good standard and For the short term, at least, get some get some traffic from that, yeah. But as soon as you can do it, then what's stopping you know all your competitors from just replicating the the same process? You're not really adding that much value to the process by just spamming this kind of content, even if it is objectively quite good.
0: I think it's a yeah. There's definitely a short money grab, short term money grab to be done here because like AI content ranks. There's no AI in search. And there will still be some residual clicks, right? So if an article costs you like 20 cents to generate with something like ZimWriter or something like this, there's a good chance you'll make a profit, especially in this day and age without generative uh, in search. But in the long term, it's like, I'm not sure how well this content is going to do. What happens when GPT-5 comes out? Like, do people have to regenerate all their content? How does that work? <laughs> like, so it's like a lot of questions to ask, but overall it just feels, feels like there's a short-term cash grab to be done. And some, definitely some people are taking advantage in there. We're more focused on building like long-term Stuff, etc., which is why we're not pushing this nearly as hard. Uh, we're more focused on like trying to think like what can AI not produce, or building a hybrid process of AI and human together to add value and go through this. Basically, we're going for this EEAT stuff at this point. Even though Google doesn't do a very good job at surfacing it yet, from what I've seen in the AI snippets, actually, they do a better job there. It's like I feel like more specialized sites pop in the AI answers. than yeah, in you, results you didn't
1: see any Forbes. Um, a lot
0: less than yeah. uh, than in the organic results for sure. <laughs> like Forbes, it's funny because I was testing all these roundup preview keywords, and like Forbes was everywhere. It's getting ridiculous at this point. Google, like I don't know what they're doing. Wake up a bit. Anyway, just to to transition to the next session, what we think following all these changes is that sites that have products will win in the end. And the reason why is because if you have a product, you will be easily featured in AI answers. For example, I googled best affiliate marketing course in the new Google, and both the Authority Site System and Authority Hacker Pro was featured in the answer. And so you can imagine that this is like a really great discovery engine if you have a product in a way, right now we have affiliates ranking, right? So we literally have people that made reviews, but we pay up a, a commission when they rank for that query and people click on their links. In a way, AI ends the AI and so might cut the affiliate, but not the product owner, you know? And so that's why it's like, I'm kind of like taking a, a bird's eye view of like the business model. And I'm like looking at like who wins here? Like who, who has the meta win? Like how does. Uh, like not, not the quick win, but rather how does the, the whole business change and who's taking advantage of that? And it's the sellers. It's the people who are actually
1: having something to sell to you, basically. I think a big part of that, though, is, is when you have your own product, Forget AI for a second, like today, when you have your own product, you make more money, generally speaking, you make more money per visitor, per thousand visitors, and significantly more, which means that you have more business profit, which means that you can spend more on hiring better quality content creators, staff, getting into video, buying products, like more budget to do all of these really, really cool things. And different business models have higher profit. Like we compete against some SaaS tools, like Ahrefs, for in some searches, and they're really difficult to compete it's against because they yeah. make loads of money and have huge teams <laughs> and I'm invest in lots routine, of money yeah. in making their their free content very very good. Think of that the the other way around, like us, a product company, info product company, versus. A site just focused on on ads. Like we have a competitive advantage. We there. win
0: most of the time. Yeah, it's like um, not all the time, but like we, if we're against like another blog, like we have a proper editorial team. We have an editor. We have like a whole process, like more budget per article because the product supports that, not the affiliate revenue, etc. And as a result, it's easier to win. So it's like yeah, it's like that's why I'm like I'm really looking at these big changes coming in, and I'm like I want to make it easy for me, so I'm willing to change what I work on. To essentially I think you said like a stream downstream right it's like basically and that 's what we felt when we launched a brand snap, for example, when we launched brand snap like the site still still gets like four hundred to nine hundred visitors per day like a week and a half after launch or something almost two weeks after launch at this point, and it's like uh we're doing zero promo for it like people love it, et etc and so we want to position ourselves in in essentially that next cycle of online business that's coming in a way that we can put less effort and have more rewards. And for that you need to play by the new rules, basically.
1: I, I would just just counter kind of that and say these are not necessarily new rules though. I would say that these rules have been implicitly around yeah. since if we got we got started already, with this. Yeah. yeah. It's just that, you know, it's often quite difficult to launch a product on day one with zero audience. So you know you build up your traffic first. And that's why we have this sort of three stage model with with authority sites that we've we've been pushing for eight or nine years already, so.
0: Yeah, I think I feel it's still going to be like a really, really good opportunity to get started and grow your traffic and figure stuff out in terms of your brand, your positioning, et cetera. And then when you have figured that out, then I think looking at products will be more rewarding than ever, basically. I think that one thing that really it reminded me of is what happened to the paid side of affiliate marketing. So it's like, you guys might be following us and not know about that, but there's a whole other community on affiliate marketing that was focused on buying ads, right? So buying AdWords, buying Facebook ads, a lot of Facebook ads, really, and cloaking and doing a lot of dodgy shit. But essentially, they would find high-paying affiliate offers, so like steaming pills quite often, like testosterone boosters, Whatever porn offer they have to do, etc. I remember that Um I can't remember. Like I made a guy for a big guy from the STM forum, and these guys were making lots of money at the time. Honestly, like doing really well. And I was like, "Oh, it's your job to Photoshop dicks on banners all day," and uh, he didn't find that funny. So uh, apparently, you didn't do that. But anyway, what happened to this community is, for a long time, they were promoting these high-paying affiliate offers, but then paid traffic has steadily become more expensive over time, to the point where it would shrink their margins. And also, the guidelines for advertising became a lot stricter over time. So, like, where you could promote crypto and gambling at one point, or you could not anymore. And so what happened to this community is, pretty much all of them now, if you go on these forums... Uh, started their own e-commerce store. They, when Shopify came out and made it easy to start an e-com, they just got into either drop shipping or they have like small uh, minimum order quantity products, and then they even run even paid as, drop uh,
1: shipping, even drop shipping. So that, well, first of all, what you described like the paid affiliate in the middle, that was kind of a middleman in the market. They weren't adding value there really. So when that kind of got squeezed out because of essentially market efficiencies, then the next level up from that's drop shipping. But that the same thing also happened. Happened there. Like the only people I'm not in this, so I, I don't know for sure, but what I hear is the only people making money in dropshipping these days are people selling courses about dropshipping. Like because everyone who's making money is now has their own product. So it's kind of moved up, moved up that way.
0: Yeah. And the thing is like they managed to find their margins back by essentially evolving the business model, opening simple Shopify stores with like nice templates. And uh, using and those not just, skills, not just
1: finding their margins back, but thriving, making, like making more, yeah. more money that way more than they ever did before. Because now they have other affiliates promoting for them. They they're a able legit to, company, usually. Yeah, yeah, they're able to sell on Amazon. They're able to generate much more revenue and much more profit than they they ever could before.
0: Yeah, they use their skills in generating traffic with with paid, and that made them extremely successful at ecom. And these were like the, some of the biggest starts of ecom sites. And I think. I don't think the transition is going to be nearly as big for SEO because I don't think the squeeze is nearly as hard as it has been on on paid ads. Like it was worse than what's coming with AI, like the the increase in uh, paid ad ad rates. But still, I still see like a, a good portion of like, especially the kind of like competitive high earners of the community kind of like slowly shifting to a similar model to find higher margins and using their skills with SEO this time to... Are create content that generates traffic that then they can convert into buyers and will make them more money than being an affiliate on Amazon or something like that, a lot more money than that. I think something like that's going to happen.
1: It's a a really good point about skills, actually, because the skills you need to make. Good content, good blog content in your site. It's not that different to what you need to create good content for sort of YouTube or a podcast, oh, or then yeah. you know going further on like creating your own info products.
0: There's going to be a lot of transfer of skills, and it's like in these markets when they open up, like the people who kind of like have a leg up on the market and can be these really fast early starters that do really well uh, and often have big opportunities are the people who come with pre-existing skills that reapply to that to like whatever works now that didn't necessarily work as well before, etc. And so. I I think a lot of SEOs will have a big opportunities here. But one thing I wanted to talk about as well is that Obviously Google is pushing E-E-A-T very hard, right? And it's like a lot of people now when we do platinum calls in Age Pro Platinum, etc., ask questions on like, okay, how do I organize myself to take real product photos? How do I like feature this on my site, etc.? And so like basically we're kind of like entering this like age of authenticity called, <laughs> you know, it's like where well, you you can just like you can still bullshit your way and like uh, Forbes does a really good job at that. They're going to love me when I say that. I know they I know internally their team like talks about me because I keep criticizing them, so it's pretty funny. But like I know some big size get away with that, but um there is actually new widgets in the subs called Perspectives that is coming soon that they announced at Google IO where they will feature more this kind of like first-hand experience. So hopefully there will be more traffic to people who make the effort of doing that. And I know I think there should be. So I think Google needs to work on that. But with what I've seen in the AI snippets, I'm I'm slightly hopeful. We'll see what happens. But the thing is, like if you're doing all these things, if you're gonna do product in hands, if you're gonna take photos for your blog, if you're gonna do all of that, I think it's crazy, like absolute madness, to not consider also getting into video at least. So. YouTube for longer videos, but also YouTube shorts, reels, TikTok. And then probably, like, if these shorts, you can probably post them on Twitter or something if you want. Like, you can still do it. It's not as good, but you can. But all I'm saying is that I think the scope of content creation is going to widen to a point where, like, you're, and we're already kind of starting doing that internally. We, you know, we pick a topic and then we kind of like, pick one main media for this, and then we build like supporting media below. Like the Notion system works like that. You can make a main post of something. So that can be a YouTube video, that can be a blog post or something. And below that YouTube video, there may be like three shorts, like a Twitter thread, Facebook post or something, or LinkedIn post or something. And then it's like, they all kind of like support each other in an ecosystem. And I think if you're going to have to go, I think like the sites that will manage to move on from just producing a blog post and pushing some photos to using all these channels will de- develop lots of brand signals that will be very important. Another thing that I actually I've noticed in generative search is that it pushes brands so much more. So like now there's five icons on every surf and then the brand name is much bigger on top of the, of the site. So people may interact with you on social or whatever. And then they recognize you on the surf, and they're more likely to click on your result. When people click more, you rank higher. Therefore, it helps your SEO in an indirect way. But basically, yeah, I think there would be that mix of elevating the business model and elevating the authenticity.
1: So, I mean, I think essentially what you're saying is that, you know, if you're going to invest in doing very high quality content, the stuff that you need to have it in hand and, and take photos of and that, and that kind of stuff for whatever products you're reviewing, then the marginal cost to go the next step, make the YouTube video, and then beyond that, the shorts yeah, it's low, and right? all the other things is low. While at the same time, if you just go on YouTube and do vacuum cleaner reviews or something, oh, you're right, missing yeah. out on you know a lot all of, of the big traffic, advantages. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's and kind of
0: most of the money.
1: So we're we're getting into that that world. Yeah, and that that's the thing, especially with the social platforms, is there. And this has nothing to do with AI. This has just been going on for a long time. Is they're trying to get less people to click out of their site and stay on on their site. If you remember. Early, early days of Facebook, they had full, like, embeddable YouTube videos within Facebook. Um, now it's like a horrible thumbnail that doesn't look good and it gets no reach because they want to keep you on Facebook videos. And that's the same principle with every social platform. And, you know, Google to an extent as well. That's kind of that's what, what they're doing, doing with, with AI, AI content. Exactly. They're trying to keep you there because they, they can make more money when you do that. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting one.
0: You still need to be on the, I think the branding with the new sub layout is going to be quite important. And overall, it's just like, yeah, the hard part is like getting the product in hand, actually purchasing it if you need to purchase it or like finding another way to reach it, doing all these tests, et cetera, so that you can write your review properly and so on. That's the the kind of like time-consuming part, like shooting a video on top, et cetera, you're adding an extra 15, 20% time, but you're, you're probably doubling or tripling your reach. And you can also ping pong things so you can embed your YouTube videos in your blog post, which means more time on site, more brand recognition, et cetera. But also if people watch the video on your site, this will boost your YouTube channel because you have more views. Therefore, you get more distribution and next time they go on YouTube, they will see your other videos, et cetera. So it's like you kind of get this kind of like symbiotic relationship where it's kind of like one plus one equals more than two, you know. And I think the opportunity is definitely going to be what people want. And people will want to just watch your video on your page or something like that and then quickly scroll and scan your page. But that's really important. Should we jump onto the case studies? Cool. Let's not do Kevin first. We're gonna talk about Kevin, but I want to talk about an actual example first. So let's talk about California through my lens.com. So what we're gonna do now is we are going to pick sites that are following in your traditional kind of like ads and reviews archetype of building a site and make a plan on how we think they should evolve the company to match what we talked about. So we talked a lot in debate and theory right now. Now let's go into the practice and talk about how it would go. So the first example is lens.com which is kind of like a blog of a photographer showing his experience traveling around California. I think he's from there. In terms of uh, DR, they are 62 so they've done a pretty good job already. According to Ahrefs, they have 106,000 organic which probably means over 200,000 in real life which is Pretty cool actually, but they're also on YouTube. So they make uh, YouTube videos about their locations. They have 250,000 YouTube subs. And it's quite interesting because the YouTube videos are not that well produced. Like, quite often they go around, you hear the wind in the in the microphone, etc.
1: I, I saw you write this on the notes, and I have to disagree. I, I'd say the sound is bad. I mean, it's not bad. It's, it's just not great. But actually, I think, like, the way that they present in the video and, like, they're on set for all these locations showing you, you know, the, the, the people are there, you know, it's. I think they're good video, videos. And I can see why, if I was visiting California and wanted to go to a bunch of these different sites that would be like a very authentic video that i would watch to get you know the real non-touristy side of things
0: it's authentic it's authentic and it's like they live the lifestyle they do the EEAT 80 stuff they do all that which, which means they have a lot going for themselves but yeah the production level is not very high like it's okay but it's not like it's not like fancily edited. It's not a Mr. Beast video or something like that. It's like it's, it feels real. What they do really well as well is they do a good job at doing what we just said earlier, which is putting their YouTube videos on their blog posts, which boosts their views. And then in result, that boosts their YouTube channel. That does pretty well. And most of their videos get lots of views. So they have understood that relationship and they're doing a really good job at that. How they make money right now? Honestly, not a lot of ways. Like the only thing I found is like they run ads, right? so Raptive now, that's the new name for AdStrive. Right? They run that on their site and I didn't even find sponsorship. Like I found them like getting free tickets for stuff when they go to places, like they say that in a video, but they would never mention being sponsored or paid. So I don't know if they don't disclose it, uh, which is not the best, or if they just don't do that. So pretty low monetization given the amount of riches people have and the amount of money there is to be made. So. How do you take that company to the next level? They have lots of very relevant traffic for a very specific region of the world. In my opinion, you become a tour company. And that sounds crazy, right? To say like, oh, become a tour company. But it's actually not that difficult to do, right? You can take some existing posts that get lots of traffic. So for example, their top post is Venice Canals near Venice Beach that has 7,000 traffic. And you can basically build tools now. There's two places that I know you can list. The first one, the most amateur one, is Airbnb Experience, so now Airbnb doesn't just sell rentals, they actually sell experiences. They sell tools that people kind of arrange themselves. You can just list a tour if you want. But the thing is like, then it gets ranked based on how many people bought it and how many people reviewed it. But he has that, all that traffic. It's like, it's super easy to organize a tour at that place, embed that on like, embed a call to action on the page and maybe put a city on YouTube as well. You know, you can put these little cards that have links and then drive traffic to that Airbnb listing and see how well it's doing. And you can also reverse engineer the competitors there. Like you can see like which ones are which tours are getting the most reviews and the most purchases, etc. And then you can create content around that to like then push that listing of yourself. Now you can do the tour yourself if you want to get started with, but what I would probably do is I would actually book similar tours. And most of these tourist guys, they're not on fixed contracts. They're like on a freelance base or they're contractors or something. Yeah,
1: that's actually a really important point of how the the tour industry and many others work as, as well. Well, the tour company you book through I's not always the person or the company serving the tour wherever you go there's like local a few local companies and all these essentially virtual tour companies use one of those guides or those companies to service it so I would be starting with that rather than trying to go there in person every day and run the tour yourself yeah
0: yeah it's not that hard I think but like for them it's like it can be a big money maker I think they could make lots of money because it's so targeted decide the there's like a huge opportunity opportunity here and it's like after if it works on Airbnb experience. Airbnb experience is kind of like a place if you don't want to figure out all the sales process, checkout, etc., it's nice to start. But then eventually I would build my own like checkout sales pages for the tools, etc., and just have literally like add stuff as content gets popular and just recruit local guides all around California and just sell directly on the site. And I think they could make tons of money actually.
1: I mean, for, for comparison, like the canal. Page gets seven thousand traffic. So let's say ten thousand. You're still underestimating. And, I think. <laughs> okay, well, for for, <laughs> this for, is for the new purposes, we're talking about you know. <laughs> for math purposes, let's say it's ten thousand. We're talking potentially about three hundred dollars a month in ads from from that, which is nothing really. Compare that to what they could make through selling four people on one tour they probably make close to that in profit from from just that alone.
0: But like four is nothing at this level of traffic. Like they would sell so much exactly, more. Like, exactly, exactly. Uh, you
1: could be selling uh, hundreds of these a month. I
0: think you can sell hundreds, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, if they offer is and so not, targeted not to...
1: On, not only computer. that, but because you're pushing so many people to Airbnb or you know TripAdvisor as well, I know it's a slightly different system with like reviews, then you suddenly go up their rankings and then you get some more Organic traffic. Dis- a yeah. disproportionate amount of traffic from those platforms as well.
0: Yeah, so it's like that's kind of like this part. I don't know if like they're better off just staying on these platforms and gaming the traffic there, or building their own sales page and not not pay commission to them. I think it depends. I think it's something that we need testing, but definitely. Obviously,
1: the the practicalities of like finding tour guides that are gonna be at the right standard you know you need to go there and test them out and probably have some kind of contract work, yeah. so they they like pay you correctly and like you need to work out these kind of things but it's not really that difficult to to work out if you can hire a writer and upload content to your site and you know figure out those types of things figuring out a few Contractual agreements here and there is is not rocket science and certainly if you've done any kind of sponsorships for your channel or your site in in the past then it's, it's you know there's a lot of overlap there in terms of uh, the skills you need
0: I mean look at it that way I think the revenue from doing this can 10 to 20 x. Profit and I'm still being conservative. I think I think it could 100x to be honest if it does really well. Let's say 15x.
1: Look, that's the basic tour. Go uh, 100 bucks for this Venice Canal tour, whatever it might be. You take it a step further. You have people from Australia or the UK coming to California. You know, you pay 10 grand and you know, all, the whole, you do the whole trip booking, is, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all, you, know, you make margin on flight or maybe not flights, but on the hotels and transportation and all those other kind of things as, as well. So Lot, lots of high end opportunities there as well.
0: But the, the thing I like to I wanted to say earlier is like imagine 15x revenue. How much work would it be to 15x their revenue by just focusing on SEO? I think it would be way more work actually. And I think that's one of these things where a lot of people in our audience kind of get trapped. They keep being like, oh, more content, more links, more content, more links, more content, more links. And then the truth is, sometimes there's just like a side step they need to take into a slightly less comfortable position. But a position that will massively grow their business comparatively to just doing more SEO. And I think these guys are exactly in this situation. And that's kind of like the opportunity. And also, when people will be Googling best tools in California or like best Venice Kennels tools, they can be featured in the AI snippets. They can be. Up there, and then people will like actually go and check that out, and so like you win with AI here. You don't lose with it, you know, because you're the product. And so like I think it's the way people need to look at, at these kind of websites now, because and that's what the SEO community is really liking. It's like they love being SEOs, they hate being CEOs, and I think they need to kind of like change hat a little bit because there's a lot more money to make actually.
1: To contextualize the difficulty, they've got let's say two hundred thousand. 000- uh, visitors in, in real life, 106 on, on Ahrefs. We're talking about getting to 3 million organic yeah, visitors a month. 15 4K 4K revenue. I don't think there's that much volume for yeah. like California tourist stuff. So it's just, it's not even possible. But even if it was, you know, think of how difficult it's that so would difficult, be, yeah. how competitive that would be to, to do all that. And the relative effort of building your own product, starting your own tour company in this, in this case, it's nothing in comparison, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's uncomfortable because it's like, you're going to do weird stuff that you're not used to. You know, have, you're gonna have to pick up meet the phone and grill. call a few yeah. people. and yeah, <laughs> Meet people, these, et these like things. I get it. But uh, the money is so much better. It's like, honestly, the people who who mix these two are the people who make money, people who can handle the technical side and build a real business on top. That's where the big money is. Let's jump on to the next example, which is knifeinformer.com. So it's a bit of a smaller site, right? It's like they're the R45 site, they only focus on knives. They review knives. They have sixty two thousand traffic according to HF, so I think it's Pretty conservative to say they're over 100K real, probably around 150K, I would say, maybe. Maybe even more, to be honest. like uh, The average traffic for HS was like something like 34% when we updated TAS recently, based on their new stuff. They rank for a lot of roundup keywords, so best self-defense knife, best survival knife, Spencer would be proud, best automatic knives, that kind of stuff. Like They've done a good job, and they, they are a topic specialists, and Google rewards them for that, which is nice to see. Uh, until Forbes make articles about mice. But they also do some social, but not nearly as much as the California guys. So people like their stuff on Instagram and Twitter, but they're not trying hard. You know, they're kind of like basic posting, etc. But one thing that they do is they do have some original images. Like if you go in their roundups, it's going to be a mix of like original images with default images of the product that you'd find on Amazon or something. So you can see there is some effort being put there. There's the seed of something, you know, of something more real than like a, a basic site. And so the plan for this site that I wrote down is basically go the e-commerce route, like- do what the stack that money guys did, uh, open a shop.knifeinformer.com. So I would look into FBA tutorials on how to source product and, and do that. There's lots of information, like lots of people do FBA. I would go that way, but like I would not necessarily focus on FBA. I would just do the shop. That's basically exactly what Kevin did. Actually, I think we should merge these two examples. Like Kevin from epigardening.com. We talked, we had a full podcast with him not too long ago. So go and check that episode if you want. But he went from being this classic review site to selling race beds on his site and he used his socials and his blog to push it and he's done so well that literally the guys that invested in Aura Ring and that invested in Headspace and this kind of like big apps and stuff gave him literally eight figures to grow the company and now he's Absolutely killing it. I know he was growing a lot. I would I don't think I'm too crazy to say he's probably around eight figures a month now with epic gardening. So he's killing it. But like if these guys actually do the same thing and make in-hand content a little bit more with probably like more info keywords, like you know, how to sharpen a knife how to use a, a butterfly knife, etc. Because these key was like how to sharpen a knife. Like, sure, you can have this Google AI answer, but probably I want to see a YouTube video or something like this. How to use a butterfly knife. I mean, good luck learning how to use a butterfly knife with a Google AI snippet. You know? <laughs> like, it's like you it's, it's, all,
1: it's also like, it's, it's one of those things that they may not even show an answer for it because, you know, it's, it's sounds kind dangerous. of <laughs> kind of YMYL. It's a bit, bit dangerous. Um, yeah, it's definitely about your life. Using AI stuff for that. And we, we've seen in the beta at least that uh, they don't show answers for kind of medical queries and some sometimes they of-
0: do sometimes they don't actually like they will put a disclaimer when they do um, but like it's, it doesn't matter if they do or they don't like if I have a, butter- a butterfly knife in my hand I'm about to try to do some crazy stuff with it I probably need more than a list of bullet points from an AI on the sub. So it's like I'm very likely to consume that kind of content. But my idea is like they can do this stuff and they can do it on social, to be honest. It doesn't really matter if it's on their blog or social because what they can do is they can showcase their product as they do it. So if they want to show how to sharpen a knife, they can literally show how to sharpen a knife, but at the same time, like mentioning how nice the knife is and like whatever the features are and be like, hey, if you finish this video, here's a 15% code to go grab it on our store. Go on shop.knifeinformer.com and you can claim a discount on this knife that I just showed you. And so there's a big opportunity here to do that.
1: Yeah, so just thinking in terms of the practicalities of doing that. So often when you try and add that in later to a site which has quite a diverse range of content, you're talking about different types of knives, it may be difficult to pick or to produce, say, one knife and like sell that in all your, across all your content. It may only fit well in, you know, one, one or two types of. Uh, categories that you have and that's a common problem like we faced that many times before so you can also think of like a different level so rather than selling a knife maybe you sell a knife holder or a knife sharpener or a, a product which you can use which everyone who has knives or who's interested in a types would be interested and that might be you know lower value in terms of selling price but to, try, to create it might be a little bit a little bit easier and gives you more opportunity the real key is Having one thing that you can sell to most of your customers rather than having to build 20 different types of knives and the complexities of, of dealing with all that kind of stuff.
0: That's true. If you had this like cool knife sharpener, you could easily feature that on top of your roundup reviews as well. Be like, hey, it's like it doesn't matter if you have a good or bad knife. If it's not sharpened, it's not going to do what you want it to do. Click here to claim 15% discount or something.
1: I'm thinking, do you remember that YouTube series, Will It Blend, by Blendtec, the the blender company? Yeah, yeah, they And they would would say, oh, will it blend the iPhone 4? Will it blend, uh, I don't know, whatever piece of gold bullion and all this stuff. You could probably do something similar with like the knife, you know, before and after. Can it cut this this thing when it's not sharpened or when it is sharpened and create create content around that. Can
0: you cut can you cut a knife on in one cut? Like I don't know, like or oh whatever. Like you could find something crazy basic. But like you get the idea, it's like you can do that and then you can use your roundup reviews and the traffic they get to promote these products. You can kind of have this kind of like dual business model, or you still make your commissions, you keep doing your round of reviews because they're doing well with them at this point. And even with Google AI, right? Google is going to pop some um, product table, but there will still be traffic, no doubt. And uh, this kind of site is the size that will be featured in the AI snippet because they're so specialized. So they would still make that, but they can also still use this traffic to probably make more money from selling a knife sharpener or whatever the accessory is than actually selling a knife. So they can feature this pretty high up without killing their content and keep doing what they're good at. So it's like, that's the kind of like soft transition that I think is going to be interesting to lots of people where you don't just, like this stuff still works and still will make money but you can kind of like elevate that and have the opportunity to over time add more products, add more stuff to that and expand that side of the business that to be honest has more, like potentially can make a lot more money than just being a knife affiliate as they are now. So it it could be one of these things where the cash cow is the affiliate stuff, they start small on the e-com, and then they, they grow it to the point where it overtakes the affiliate, but they can
1: still run both models. You know, For anyone who's in a position like this thinking, "Oh, how the hell do I even get started Like producing my own knife sharpener or something, something like that, I mean, most people selling stuff on Amazon have some kind of manufacturing partner, often in China or could be anywhere, but they have to kind of find out people who can produce these kind of things, get in touch with them and develop a relationship with them. Often you have to, you know, help them design the product so you might need a product designer but there are you know people you can hire to help you all along the way with this stuff be that product sourcing product design even testing and marketing for it as well so it's work for sure but when you really break it down it's, it's not unrealistic for look if you're capable of building a, a site that ranks and do really good content on it then you're capable of doing this this as well
0: yeah. And again, like, if they can, like, three, let's say, like, in this case, you do an sharp. No, like, it's not a 15X revenue. I think it's more like a 3X, something like that. Let's say you have a good product that gets hit. Like, maybe you 3X your revenue or something. Still, like, if they're, if they're doing 150K traffic, that's talking going from 150K to 450 if you were trying to triple with just SEO traffic, which is no small feat for a knife, like a, the, the knife niche. You know, it's not like a huge, huge niche either. So, You've got to assess that difficulty that way. It's like, if I wanted to make this like jump with just SEO, how much traffic would I need? And quite often it's a daunting task. And, and, and while creating a product sounds like a daunting task, you're basically facing two daunting tasks, but which one has the most upsides, you know? And then eventually nothing stops you from doing both. But I I think it's good to put them in parallel so that maybe you will be more inclined to get out of your comfort zone. That's pretty much what I think should do let's jump on to the last example, which is momswhothink.com. So they are a it's a mom blog basically, slash parenting that is DR56 and has a hundred thousand traffic on ahrefs. And uh, actually, you should present that because you prepared it. so go ahead,
1: <laughs> yeah, so they're kind of more focused on the baby infant side of things than you know teenagers and and stuff. but essentially, it's as classic of an ad site as you could possibly get right they, that's their, their only mon- they do have a tiny bit of affiliate, but really it's it's an ad site, and you know that because the keyword choice they have in there. It's all about the highest volume, highest traffic keywords. So they have things such as like baby names beginning with A, baby names beginning with B, boy baby names, girl baby names, Chinese birth chart, birth flowers, birth years, like all these, these kind of things which are, let's be honest, some of the most susceptible to AI type content there. there is. If you're looking for a list of baby names, there's not that much value even the best writer in the world can create versus what AI can already do today. So I would say that th- this site in particular is quite susceptible to changes in, in search in the very near future. In terms of like how they sidestep that or, or start thinking about that, they kind of need to do two things almost. They, they need a product, but they also need to change their, their keywords that they're targeting and the content to maybe support that, that as well. Fortunately, because they have the site, because they have traffic, because they have DR, they have that's links. a much easier thing. Yeah, they have the content team as well. And that's a much easier thing to do. In terms of the products that we we think could work well, you could do both info products and physical products here. So, info products is really interesting one because I would say they're easier to do in that you don't need to design a product, invest in inventory, shipping, customs. You know, all of these kind of this bureaucracy. You you make it. You maybe you work with some designers, video editors, depending on the the, the format of it. Um, and there's a little bit to figure out in terms of how do you actually sell it, but with with platforms like Teachable and Thinkific, it's it's really really simple to get started with these days, and very very high margins on on info products as as well. So that will probably be my play here. Something like you know courses for p- parents who are expecting because they got a lot of traffic already about baby names. You could have specific things about getting your child to sleep or. Early learning stuff. Natural how to teach pregnancy to,
0: home remedies. I think that could be one as well. If people are looking at baby names, like probably late, later
1: stages of pregnancy, etc. Because they already have this traffic, right? They can pick a lead magnet, put some opt-in forms across their site already and instantly start getting... Thousands of emails per month, most likely. And then they can start using that to pre-sell products to test different product ideas, even to promote affiliate products to begin with. See what works before deciding which ones they want to wanna to build them, themselves.
0: I mean, what I would do is I would actually take the list and I would just survey them. I'd be like, hey, we're thinking of launching four things. Which one are you the most interested in, for example? And literally just make each one a link on the email so you can track the clicks, you know, and then just like have a point system of like letting people decide what's most interesting. It's not foolproof because you don't ask people to buy. Like if you wanted to go full lean startup, you'd actually make a fake sales page and a buy button and you'd count how many people click on the buy button. But yeah, I think one thing as well is like evergreen launches, right? It's like creating an evergreen launch on on this kind of site is like, you can do like, a product launch like every six months because obviously these things are timed with people's (laughs) pregnancy timelines, you know, (laughs) they're not going to move the pregnancy to wait for your course or something. So they definitely should do an evergreen launch using something like deadline funnel. So lead magnet, sales sequence with like a few days to buy, either pregnancy home remedies or, you know, like the first months of your baby, how to do everything correctly, or like 29 things new moms always like never know and should know or something like this. You could make a, an easy, maybe cheap product, like a $39, $49 type thing in front end and then have kind of like a bigger, more expensive video course Behind and here, like you could hire someone like for post-pregnancy stuff. Like there are professionals you can. There are lots of freelance professional events like you know that you can hire to help with that and create something that's high quality. It's just up to you to figure out the logistics of uh, finding the right person, shooting and editing. Most of them can be done with freelancers. Like you can hire freelance videographer in your area, and then you can have then a video editor on Upwork or something that can do most of the editing, and it's just up to you to organize all of that. But yeah, that side, in my opinion, is like the most at risk from AI, but... They have big opportunities as well to monetize with this this stuff, and I think it's actually there's going to be lots of opportunities for site buyers. Like think about this: like if a lot of people like don't change this stuff, then eventually there will be like sites that you can get on a discount and flip around to these kind of business models. Make well, well this money.
1: is already the case. If you have a, a SaaS tool, an info product, a physical product, and you find a, a closely aligned or targeted ads or affiliate site, you can buy them for. You know, whatever 40x multiple, maybe even a little bit less right now, because I think there's there's not that many buyers around at at the moment. And then you know, add your own product to it and instantly boost the revenue. So kind of make your money back quite quickly with with doing that. It's it's quite quite a common tactic already. So I think that's only going to to expand. Just just one more point on the mums who think site. There's also a pretty low friction physical product play here. So I mean, in the knife example, we talked about having to you know design a knife sharpener or take a lot of stock and the customs and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of work. Amazon also allows you to do like print on demand type products for books. Uh, and specifically for kids, there's like puzzle books, coloring books, all these types of things that you can design digitally send it to Amazon and then they'll just print print it one at a time whenever anyone wants to to order it. And you know, maybe normally they sell for four or five bucks on Amazon, but because it's yours and people are on your site and you have the traffic, you can maybe sell it for you know seven, eight, nine, ten, ten dollars. And there's a significant profit to be had from doing that and no inventory cost and very little upfront cost as well. It's kind of like a a more something in between an info product and a physical product because they're just printing it at the end.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really easy one. I think we I actually was thinking we should do a podcast on like seven easy ways to start to generate a product or something. And that would be one of them because I think that's pretty cool. So that's pretty much it for the examples. Any final words of wisdom on these sites?
1: Yeah, I would just say that AI may be coming along and causing you to think, oh, I need to, need to change something. There's a big risk here. But it's, kind of, it's always been the case that moving into having your own products is or should be the, the long-term play for the majority of sites, I, I would say. Even in you know heavily commoditized industry like VPN, right? if you're a VPN affiliate, we know people in the past that have started their own VPN product. So, yeah, you know, it's a s- software After product. being so it's, successful it's possible- Yeah. So it's possible to do this in, in any industry, whether it's the, you know, the, the tours, the physical products, the Amazon print-on-demand, info products, SaaS, whatever. The difficult thing with majority of these industries is not being able to come up with a product. It's being able to sell it. It's having traffic. And if you have an affiliate site or an ad site, you've already figured out the hardest part of that, the part which most other companies would pay lots of money to be able to solve themselves. They do, have so ads. You, so you've, you've kind of done the hard part already, and this is like the, the easy way to to actually just ramp up your your revenue. So I, I would tra- try to think it in those terms rather than something you have to do to otherwise your site's going to die tomorrow type thing.
0: Yeah, I, it's basically a profit maximizer. I think I've heard marketing is... It's still gonna be a strong case to get started, mostly because uh, it's quite difficult to both ramp up your traffic and create a product slash company on top. Like it's it's a lot of things to juggle with. So like I still think that's gonna be there, but I think like on the higher end of things, the what's gonna change is the scale of difficulty of scaling. Like maybe it will be harder to scale up large amounts of traffic so that scaling up the business model will become more attractive to a lot of people in the industry. And as a result, that will become the preferred path as we go on, as things are changing and as. Uh, honestly, more traffic sources are coming online. So, for example, like Facebook pages apparently are sending lots of traffic these days. Pinterest sends quite a bit of traffic, and if you have an e ecom, it's really powerful, etc. So, there's lots of like new things that are ramping up. Being the product owners will allow you to do, and and being in these answers and being the recommended product, huge huge opportunity. So, for all these reasons. We think that is kind of the way to go. There is, we still acknowledge the fact that there is a short term cash grab to be had by producing lots of AI content right now. And there will still be some residual traffic from doing that. But I think the big wins are the people who will go past the affiliates and ads and actually will use this. AI paradigm to develop their own products and get more traffic and more sales than was even possible before.
1: The final thing I would say is that I know to a lot of people, especially if you're you know more introverted and used to working online and emailing people, uh, it can it can feel a bit daunting, right? To to branch into the physical world and do all these these different new potentially difficult things, but. It, just think of it in terms of difficulties how difficult it is it to for an established site at least to 10x your traffic it's really really hard one of the hardest things it's, it's impossible in some industries but it's one of the hardest things you can do and if you want to spend all that energy you know making a really kick-ass editorial team spending all that money on on content and tests and all this media you need to to build around it and do all that or you could just pick up the phone and call 10 tour guides and 10 extra tri- your revenue it's a no-brainer
0: and i think i want to explore that topic more like let's see let's see how you guys receive this podcast but i really want to talk about practical ways to like get started with that because i think it's a. Uh, It's something I would like to see the community do more. I think the community would do better if it went that direction. I still think it's going to be kind of like a later stage thing that people should do, like first build up your traffic so that you have your competitive advantage. Otherwise, if you have a product and no traffic, you're like every other company. Literally, you have no advantage. But like this hook, this change, this change of gear... Going from just being a pure website to transforming it into a business, I think it's something that I would like to talk more about, and uh, I want to explore more in the podcast. So let us know in the comments if you guys want to do that. And while you're in there, don't forget to also like and subscribe if you're not liked and subscribed. Now we have a video every week. That's either a podcast or it is a proper YouTube video. We are venturing into that. So please don't forget to subscribe, click the bell, so you don't yeah, miss if
1: it. You, if, you're listening, if you're listening on the audio, then go over now to our YouTube channel and subscribe to it there. There's content you, you don't you have on audio. Yeah. Your yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Mark. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you guys for the podcast in two weeks, but only next week for the next YouTube video. Bye-bye.